0: Welcome to Legal Giants Tiny Talks, a podcast where we invite legal experts to talk about current issues in their field. Today, we're lucky to have Rachel Barrett, a partner at Linklater's ESG team, to talk to us about the developments of sustainable finance, with a specific focus on the UK Chancellor's announcement last year about his plans to create a sovereign green bond, and how companies will be required to make climate risk disclosures starting from 2025. Welcome Rachel, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today to talk to us about environmental, social, and governance issues. To begin with, I think it would be a good idea to get a general sense of what's happening in the world of ESG. As I understand, some investors have always been big on building sustainable economies. Larry Fink, for one, always writes about it in his letters to CEOs. Obviously, building a sustainable economy would, first and foremost, promote environmental consciousness, but it should also ideally give rise to long-term profitability and perhaps lay the foundation for economies to survive and thrive in the long run. Would you say there is a significant change in investors' attitudes towards green finance in recent years? If so, why?
1: Yeah, I think there definitely is. Um, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be able to come and talk about um, these very important topics. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Rachel Barrett. I'm a partner in the ESG team, um, at the environment, social and governance team at Linklaters, which is an international law firm based in London. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. There has been quite a significant change in investors' attitudes towards green finance and towards ESG and sustainability more generally. I think we're seeing people become more and more aware that if we if we are to collectively turn back the tide of climate change, then we're gonna need to do things differently. There's no two ways about that. Um, and that means that for investors of all types really, so this is um, you know, maybe people buying shares or buying debt instruments or lending money, they need to think a little bit more carefully about where they're going to put their money. Um, so when we're seeing investors look at investment opportunities, we're increasingly seeing them pause just to think about whether they're really making a sustainable investment and and you're right there are people who have always done that um because they have a certain set of values or a certain investment mandate and what they invest in has to be sustainable or have a positive social or environmental impact but actually now what we're seeing is people really realize that these can be real risks to their ability to get a return out of their investment in the long run. And so really they're looking at, um, uh, you know, how how climate change and other ESG factors is going to affect the quality of that investment and its long term ability to generate returns. Um, so you I mean your investment might actually be at risk, you know, if you put it in a business uh, that hasn't thought hard enough about how climate change is going to affect their market in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. And that investment you know, might not realize its, its true value. And we're seeing them as well take a really great interest in the huge opportunities that the increased awareness of climate risk um, and all things green and ESG brings. I think it's really important to always tell the positive side of this story as well, because otherwise it can seem very doom and gloom sometimes, but there really are enormous opportunities to invest in green projects and be part of that change that the world really needs to see. And as lawyers, and some people I'm sure will be wondering what lawyers have to do with any of all of this, (laughs) but lawyers are very much at the forefront of facilitating those transactions that are driving the change forward. It's really exciting. and I think we also feel a really great responsibility to support our clients navigating these changing times. So whether it's through realizing those investment opportunities, supporting them through their own climate transition journey or helping them identify risks and pitfalls as they just navigate this really, really tricky area.
0: Sounds like lawyers are definitely a group of key players in driving the developments of ESG policies for companies to follow and incorporate into their operations realistically. I think it's really uplifting to see people put more thought into considering how the environment may affect them and vice versa when making business decisions. And it is really positive to see teams like yours be formed in law firms. So moving forward, the announcement of the UK's plans to issue sovereign green bond just last year did come off as quite a radical move since climate bonds, especially to my understanding, have not been issued by many governments. Only a few has done so and the more renowned ones are those created by large organizations or companies like the World Bank and Apple. The creation of the green bond appears to be a gesture towards climate change and a response to Brexit. What would you say has led the government to start this green bond scheme? Is it because it has witnessed a change in investors' attitudes? Is it, as they say, part of a plan which will make the UK economy more competitive in the long run? How much potential for business is there?
1: Great questions. Um, So maybe to remind a little bit for people less familiar with this, um, this green bond, there was a Green Horizon Summit that was held in London in November last year. And that summit aimed to promote discussion of a number of really important themes in advance of COP26, which is going to be held in the UK in Glasgow later this year. And COP26 is acting, as it often does, as the real kind of beacon for more ambitious climate strategies and regulatory action from a number of countries. Uh, And as you'll know, the UK has announced plans for a really ambitious green industrial revolution um, and a 68% greenhouse gas reduction target for 2030 against 1990 levels. Um, But obviously all of those pledges and announcements have to be translated into action. And one of the topics that was discussed at that Green Horizon Summit last year was about how you finance that change because it can't be done for free. Um, And the change is really known um, for those less familiar as the energy transition. So that's the transition from what we now call brown or carbon intensive energy to much greener energy of the type you'll have heard of. So solar farms, wind energy, all that kind of stuff. And that's where we come back to the green bond. So during the summit, the chancellor announced that the UK will issue its first sovereign green bond in sometime in 2021, depending on market conditions, um, and that was partly you're right in acknowledgement of investor demand for green investment opportunities, There's huge demand for those opportunities at the moment, so I'm sure it will be very popular when it's launched. But it was also and probably primarily to help the government meet its own net zero targets and other environmental objectives so the proceeds that that bond uh, or, or series of bonds raise are going to help finance projects that will tackle climate change that will finance infrastructure investment and create green jobs across the country so job creation is a really big theme um you might have heard that the prime minister announced last year as well that he intends to build back greener after the pandemic um by making the uk a world leader in particular in clean wind energy and that alone yeah. is said to be have the potential to build um, to create, sorry, up to sixty thousand jobs. So that's really ambitious. And he he's speaking of this this green industrial revolution. So yeah, it's all very exciting. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the proceeds of the bond lead to.
0: Yeah, to my understanding, some green infrastructure plans have already been made in some counties. So coming back to green economy, I think what we're wondering. Is how much does the setup of a government green bond contribute towards building a sustainable economy? I mean, there are environmentalists who say the government is doing too little, too slow, and they're pushing for more radical changes. But there also seems to be a lot of questions surrounding how the government would go about executing its current plans. What are your thoughts on this? So
1: I think I think this is a really tricky area. I think a lot of people underestimate just how challenging it's going to be for, for every country around the world to meet their uh, respective net zero targets and navigate and importantly, help other people, help companies navigate this huge change that's going to come about, um, hopefully, in the coming years um, and the impacts that climate risk is going to have You know, no matter what we do. Because I think adaptation is a really important part of the stories so of transition and adaptation. Um, I mean, I do think the bond will hopefully provide really much needed funds for green projects um, and should really make quite a big contribution towards global efforts to mitigate the effects of climate change, which is good for all of us. It should also, I mean, you would hope it would make our economy more resilient. Because part of the reasons for doing all of these things is to really make sure we shore up the sustainability of the economy in the long term and that we're kind of future ready or future proofed for what um, may or or may not come depending on what we what we do. And so they are engaging in other measures which we can come on to talk about. So one, for example, is, is very much focused on getting corporates to take that journey alongside the government by requiring them to publish a lot more information about what they're doing on climate, but also lots of other ESG uh, factors. And the hope really is that armed with more information, they'll be able to develop transition strategies of their own. And if they don't the people invested in them them will be able to see that and they're going to vote with their feet and choose choose better opportunities so that is very much part of a broader trend and you've probably heard there are lots of new laws being passed in europe now we, we are no longer obviously within the european union but we're very much looking to see what's happening over there as is the rest of the world looking to the biden administration as well to see what he's doing and the uk has its own plans And all of those new laws are really focused on ensuring greater transparency, holding corporates to account, making sure they walk the talk and helping investors decide where to put their money. And decide which investments are likely to be sustainable and resilient to change and and then the ones that are perhaps less so Uh, and the other thing I think that's worth mentioning that we see a, a lot of change in. Is really trying to combat this idea of greenwashing, which you might have heard about. So, um, you know, people will not be able to get away with saying things that are shiny and green without really being mm. very, very sure that mm. they are, in fact, shiny and green. And so there's a lot of development of uh, what are usually called taxonomies, but essentially, you know, big dictionaries or classification tools um, to enable uh, or require people. Uh, to actually really uh, verify um, and have the data to stand behind those claims so that we can be absolutely sure that what we're doing is oriented towards the future. And all of that's having a huge impact. I mean, we work with a lot of corporates and a lot of financial institutions who've really ramped up their efforts in this area. Uh, We know of investors who are looking at climate risk and we know of investors who walked away from some projects because they, they were considered too risky and there wasn't sufficient risk mitigation in place to actually allow them to go forward. So it's very interesting and moving very, very, very quickly as well.
0: Thank you very much for your thoughts on that. Building a green, sustainable economy should definitely be a global effort. Obviously, ESG issues are directly related to quality of life, and improving quality of life in turn would help build our economies to become more resilient and perhaps build the foundation for long-term survivability and profitability of companies so moving on to the last question as a partner solicitor who has worked in this area for quite a while now could you share with us your thinking as to what different stakeholders might be thinking about when it comes to making climate risk disclosures so this
1: is a really interesting and moving area, and one that you're going to see a lot of lawyers and a lot of consultants involved in. I think in coming years, as people figure out how to get to grips with this and how to report, I and mean, I think in general, it's really it's been welcomed. I think you know people are interested in understanding um, what climate risk means for them as a business, and of course, there is huge demand amongst um, other stakeholders, so particularly investors, to understand you know, really what the impacts are in the companies in which they are invested, because that's a really important consideration um, for them. I think it's it's important to remember that this is about the the risk that climate change poses to the company. It's not about how green the company is, and that's often misunderstood. Now, obviously, you would hope that the greener you are, the less risk mm. you face, um, but it's not always that straightforward. Um, So the government has uh, is putting in place new laws that will require um, a whole bunch of different types of organizations to uh, disclose uh, what climate risk means for them over the coming years. Um, That law will come into effect uh, between now and 2025. So a lot of those who have to adopt early, like premium listed companies um, will actually already be doing this and will already been thinking about this because they're very sophisticated. um, And there are others who will have a little bit more time to prepare and will have the benefit of seeing what other people have done. Um, the disclosures are going to need to be aligned with the task force on climate related financial disclosures or TCFD standard that's talked about a lot in this space it's a really well respected framework that's been around for a few years and has been hugely influential. Um, and it basically at its core, it requires you to consider what physical risks and what transition risks. Climate change poses to you. So, for example, could changes in weather patterns affect your business? You know, is it possible that you know one of your factories is going to be flooded or blown away or something like that? Um, and transition risk is a lot more around policy change. So, might there be new laws, for example, or a change in the market that might affect your business? So, if you sell diesel-run um, diesel-run cars, you know, what about the transition to to electric cars and and, mm. and greener tech? What does that mean for your business, and how do you need to adapt? So, it's a very mm. flexible approach. Um, and the, the new rules will require um, organisations to generate really useful data. They'll allow companies to pause and consider what climate change means for them, uh, in particular how it threatens their long-term sustainability and, and and how they might adapt to that. So it should be a real driver for positive change. And investors and, and other stakeholders um, will also be pleased <laughs> because we do hear a lot that they're very keen better understand how companies are really planning for a future that that involves some degree of climate transition and and adaptation. And they want that information to be robust, which Mm. is the challenge at the moment, reliable and comparable. And so if everyone's reporting on the same framework, that makes that a lot, a lot easier. Um, And this really is kind of the issue of our generation, right? So so there's a lot of um, keenness to hear more about it. But I think it's fair to say it's also not without its challenges. Um, Quite a lot of work has to be done behind the scenes to make Mm. sure you have that um, robust data to be able to report and make really considered disclosures. And I think also for some companies in some sectors, it's gonna reveal some really existential threats to their long-term sustainability. And they're gonna have to pivot to remain Profitable and, and sustainable in years to come, and I think that is a real challenge and, and quite scary for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, going on that journey of transition is something that they they will need support with. Um, so, yeah, there'll be certainly plenty to do in the years to come.
0: Yeah, hopefully this would be taken as a huge opportunity for corporations to think about how they may go forward, whilst keeping in mind of environmental impacts that their operations may have. I think it is important to think of caring for the environment as not something that is against money making, but something that helps drive profit. Thank you very much for all of your insightful answers. I've definitely already learned something new from speaking to you just now. And I hope our audience enjoyed it as well. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. It was super fun to join. And I hope everyone found it interesting.
0: Okay. Thank you, Rachel. Bye.